Take your Bible with me this morning and turn to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. Okay. I will, uh, I'm not going to say where I'm going to go next because I never know what I'm going to go next. <laughs> but just be in prayer for me as I prepare to, to preach to you each Sunday to the Lord to direct me and give me something to say. I've entitled this message, A Tale of Two Thieves. A Tale of Two Thieves. And this is a very familiar passage of Scripture. Uh, you ought to be uh, well aware. It's recorded uh, in basically all of the Gospels with the exception of John. And it has to do with these two thieves, plural, two men, one crucified on the right and one crucified on the left of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I thought about that. You know, when, when most people, and myself included, before regeneration, conversion, it amazes you when you look back on your life the way you read stories and interpreted things and you always, since you had not the spirit of Christ, you interpreted them wrong. And when most people read a story like what's recorded for us here concerning our Lord's dealing with these two thieves that are hanging on the cross on the right and the left of him, they always make it out like the, the main reason God put this story in the scriptures for us, it's recorded, is to teach us that it's never too late. I mean, I, I, one old guy used to say, and he, I mean, he did a long dead and gone a couple hundred years ago, famous guy, famous reformed guy. He used, he used to say, and I've heard preachers repeat it, because they admire this dude so much. They said there was one thief on the cross, lest we despair. But there was also one thief on the cross, lest we also presume. And so they use this thing to try to coax men, or convince men, or coddle men, or basically trick men, encouraging them to make a religious profession because what? it might be too late. You know, the time's running out. They teach it like this thief on the cross who, in reality, when you think about it, he, he, he was dying exactly how he lived. What was he? He was a thief. And he was dying as a thief. But they teach it like he had some sort of life-changing experience that happened in the last few minutes of his life. And he decided to accept Jesus as personal Lord and Savior. Now they do. That, I'm you, that's the way religious people look at this. This guy let Christ save him. And the other guy, the, the other thief, he wouldn't let Christ save him. It's kind of like that black dog, white dog thing. You know, one, one does and one doesn't. And they'll even use passages like this one. They, They'll go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 where it says, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation I have succored thee. Behold, now. How many times have you heard a message on this? Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now 
is the day of salvation. They say, you got to come to Christ right now. I can't tell you how many times I heard that old guy back over at that church in Shreveport when I started in false religion years ago get to the end and we'd be singing 1,500 verses of just as I am and nobody's walking down the aisle and he'd say, somebody out there is holding the spirit back from moving. There's Somebody wants to do something, but you're the God. And so I'd walk the aisle again. I thought, I'm the one. I'm the cog in the wheel that spun off and I got to get this thing right to get people to the front. But folks, that's not what this passage is. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians is talking about. This verse isn't talking about what a sinner has to do in order to obtain salvation before it's too late. This verse Paul wrote, you know what he's speaking about? He's speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ who was succored. That word succored means literally helped or supported. Our Lord Jesus Christ was helped and supported as he accomplished the day of salvation by his obedience unto death. And that's why I read Isaiah 49 in the call to worship. Now, don't, don't misinterpret or misunderstand the point that I'm trying to make here this morning. I am forever grateful to our merciful and gracious and loving Heavenly Father that it is never, you hear me, it is never too late, never too late for any of God's elect. You hear that? Now, there's a difference. I didn't say it's never too late for anybody or any man. It's never too late in life for any of God's elect to be brought to true faith and true repentance. Oh, our Lord said this, all that the Father giveth me shall come unto me. And how many of them? All of them. Not one's going to miss out. Everybody given by the Father to the Son and the everlasting covenant of grace, they'll all come unto me. And them that cometh, I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which sent me. What's the Father's will? That of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but raise it up again at the last day. You tell me how dishonoring to Christ it is for you to even imply or think that there's somebody out there that Christ died for that he can't bring to glory. That's what he says. Everybody the Father gave me, I'm not going to lose any of them. Not one. This wonderful story that we're going to look at this morning, it's not so much about a thief coming to Jesus. This story is a story of sovereign grace and mercy. God sent Messiah and coming for and actually saving his people from their sins. That's what we see here. Christ had told his apostles and he told us too. He said, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep. I love my sheep. And you know what? I'm known. I'm loved of my sheep. I love them. As the Father knoweth, loveth me, even so know I the Father and I lay down my sheep my life for the sheep, the other sheep I have which are not of this foal, them also, listen to his language, them also I must bring. So the responsibility of salvation doesn't rest on the sinner. Who does it rest on? It rests on Christ. Them also I must. Not Richard brings them or you brings them. Brings them. <laughs> Boy, you can tell I went to Manny and got an education at Manny High School. That's a Sabine Parish English education if ever was one. 
Well, I take it back, you was in Sabine Parish too. That was a Richard Womack era English wife. <laughs> He's got to bring them. It doesn't rest on us. We got to get that out of our mindset. If, if our friends or family are going to be saved, who's got to do it? Going to be brought to a knowledge of the truth. You can't convince them. So quit trying. If they ask, tell them. In love and in simplicity and sincerity and dogmatically. But don't go shoving it down their throat. Don't go thinking somehow or another you can argue somebody into a position of eternal life. The Lord brings his sheep. Now, we get the privilege of delivering the message. And we might be the vessel that God's pleased to use to deliver the message to a, a grandchild or to a son or to a daughter or to a mom or a dad or a friend or family. And I, it's an amazing thing. Yeah, I mean, you think of how God set you free and when it happened. Huh? It was, it was not something that occurred mystically or mysterious. It was just, it was the grace of God. And when the light goes on, folks, the light goes on. And so when you're dealing with, and I've seen, I, I'm seeing it more and more every, every passing day. It seems like the closer I get to the end, the more I see God draw, Him fulfilling His promise. Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And every one of them, folks, they came out of the same kind of darkness I came out of, not immorality and ungodliness, but religious darkness. And all of a sudden, where before they could not see, now what? They see. And when they see it, praise God, you know what? They cannot unsee it. And no man can take it from them. And so with that as a backdrop, I want to see what we can learn from our Lord's interaction with these two things, specifically with this woman. And the first thing that we need to consider is this. Consider the condition of their state when the Lamb of God came into their presence. Look at verse 32. Luke 23 Verse 32. And there were also two others, malefactors, led with him to be put to death. That's their end. <laughs> what are they? It lets us know what they are. Two others that were what? Malefactors. That word malefactor means base, wrong, wicked, troublesome, injurious, pernicious, or destructive. These were bad dudes is what they were. And here's the thing. Whatever these crimes, these two malefactors had committed, both of them received the same just penalty of death. Both of them did. They got exactly what they deserved. And here's the thing I find so amazing. In all the Gospels, it never gives us a history of what they did. doesn't tell us what they did. doesn't tell us anything about their former lives. You know, they, that's what people like to give their testimony. And they, you know, they were good kids, and then they went bad, and then they got their lives right, quit drinking, quit smoking, quit cussing, started going to church, took over being a pastor, and now everything's good and holy and wonderful, and I'm a good person now. And it doesn't tell us any of that. They record any of these things about the history. All right, it doesn't even record for us the immediate crime that they got convicted of. 
It has to be bad because whatever they did, what's the penalty? It It wasn't a cat of nine tails. It wasn't to be locked in a dungeon. What was it? It was the ultimate penalty. Capital crime. Capital punishment. Death. They were getting a just penalty for the crime. And the thing is, when you relate this to spiritual matters, most people in religion today, they'll admit that men like these men, what do they get? They get exactly what they deserve without ever thinking about the reality of who and what they are. I've told you this before. I will continue to tell you. I I live every moment of my life, remember the hole of the pit from which you were digged. I know where I came from. I'm not new and improved. I'm a sinner saved by God's grace, and I know all too well what I was before the Lord revealed his Son to me and in me. And I know the only difference or distinction between me and people that are in fact more moral, more sincere, more dedicated, more committed than I am to their religion and to their efforts. The only difference between me and them is what? The grace of God. His his unconditional mercy that he freely bestowed on me. I didn't ask for it. I wasn't seeking it. I was seeking a way of my own, wasn't you? I was going my own way. Making my way through life. All they usually consider, religious people, they've never committed any heinous crimes. Not something that deserved death. Therefore, they're not like these people. But listen, scriptures make it clear. There is none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. That, listen, there is none. You hear me? There are none that doeth good. No, not one. <coughs> I tell people all the time, we, we, we use the word good so flippantly. I mean, we do. Good, good mama, good daddy, good, good grandma, good... Good pastor, you know, good this, good that. Yeah, that word good's a derivative of God. There's, there's none good save who? Our Lord told that, that rich ruler. Why callest thou me good? If you look at me and consider me like you, a man, just a, a mere man, why in the world would you call me good? Because the only one that's good is who? He tells us this, Paul says this, For all, how many all have sinned and come short of the glory of God? And even though these thieves faced the death penalty, physical death, death for the crimes they'd committed, both these men, just like all men and women without exception, they deserve the penalty of what? Not just physical death, but eternal death. Seeing what? All have sin. The wages of sin? Which one? Any. One. Not a multitude. Just one. Wages of sin, not wages of sins or death. The wages of sin, death. See, the issue isn't about whatever crime or sin a person's committed. The issue is all about men by nature, they do not possess nor can they produce and they are ignorant of what? The only righteousness found in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I've told you this for as long as most of you have been my pastor. I've been your pastor. Some of you have been here for a long time. Some of you not so long time. But I, I know I've made this clear to you. The scriptural definition of lost is not the same definition of lost that religious people give you. Here's the scriptural definition of lost. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, is it what? That they might be saved. For I bear them record. I bear testimony against them that what? They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of but one thing, ignorant of the righteousness of God, and being ignorant of that righteousness, doing what? Going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. But thank God for you and me, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believeth. Both these thieves' spiritual condition was exhibited by their attitude toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Let me read this to you from Matthew. Same story recorded by Matthew. He says, Then were there two thieves crucified with him. One on the right hand, and another on the left. And they that passed by him, now not them, but they're all three in a row. Them that passed by Christ looked at our Lord Jesus Christ, and they reviled him, wagging their heads, and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Mocking him. Likewise, also the chief priest mocked him. So you got the people walking by. The chief priest mocks him. The scribes and the elders mock him. And they said, he saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. And I tell you, if he had come down, he still wouldn't have believed him. They couldn't. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now. If he will have him, and he, for he said, I am the Son of God. But listen to this next verse. The thieves also, the thieves also, which were crucified with him. Not a, the thief. There were only two crucified with him. The thieves, both. Cast the same thing in his teeth. You think about it, they're hanging up there dying. And they're railing and mocking the Lord of glory, telling both of them, saying, you saved others, save us. If you're the son of God, come down off this tree. And we'll believe both of them. Now keep that in mind. Did they tell you that in Sunday school when you was growing up in church? I never heard that story until I heard the gospel. Those old men that preached to me, they never talked about that. Even my parents, they, they never related that part of the story to me. Not once. Think about it. Both of these thieves hated the Lord of glory, and they mocked him. These thieves' attitude toward the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what? It's the exact same attitude that all men, uh, every unregenerate person by nature has when it comes to spiritual matters. Neither of these thieves, folks, were seeking after God. We know that we already read just a moment ago, there's none that seeks after God. God stated it plainly. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me 
drawing. And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. We have to always keep in mind as we deal with lost men and women, including our friends and our families, all of them, just like these thieves by nature, you know what? They hate the true and living God. They do. They might, they might love the Christ of their imagination, the God of their fathers, but they hate this God. And they despise his Christ. It says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. Wherein, and this is these thieves, and this is every unregenerate sinner. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit which now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation, our behavior in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, all of us, what were we? By nature, children of wrath, just like everybody else. Both these thieves were spiritually dead in trespassing sin, just like all the sons and daughters of Adam. But here's the second thing that we learn from this attention that our Lord Jesus Christ gives to these Two men. The great change that occurred in one of the thieves. It says, in one of the malefactors which was hang, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the that seeing thou art in the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. Think back to what I read to you a moment ago in Matthew chapter 27. Both the thieves railed and threw it in Christ's teeth. Moments before, both these thieves hated the Lord of glory. And yet in an instant, in a moment, this former hater of God, hater of the true Christ, who was basically a blasphemer of Christ, he became a defender and a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul told those at Corinth, we just went through this not too long ago, therefore if any man be in Christ, what is he? A new creature. Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. Paul told those Corinthian people at Ephesus, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he hath quickened us together with Christ by grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know what we have on display in this, this thief? We have on display here a miracle of regeneration and conversion by the grace and mercy of our God. It's the same exact miracle that occurs in the life of every regenerated, converted, elect sinner in God's appointed time. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let me make this as clear as I can make it this morning. This thief, even though he was born again by God's Holy Spirit, he was still a thief. Didn't change what he was. You know, that had to be the case because what does he say to this other thief? 
Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? We, indeed, we're getting exactly what we deserve. For we receive the reward of our deed, but this man hath done nothing amiss. What a judgment. Huh? A thief looks at a man that's suffering. And listen, this man's suffering greater than what these guys are. They're roped to the cross. Our Lord's nailed to the cross. And he says, this guy's done nothing to me. It's phrase that he used in rebuking that other thief. It's evidence that God had performed a miracle of grace in this guy's heart. He says, dost not thou fear God? According to what the scriptures tell us, what? There is, by the natural man, there's no fear of God before their eyes. That's our problem. We don't reverence the true and living God. Yet this thief, what does he say? Don't you fear God? He fears God and not fear like afraid of him. Because you think about this. He says this, I got, I God's promise in every single solitary one of his children. You know what he's going to do? He's going to put his fear in our hearts. Listen. This is by his prophet Jeremiah. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them to do them good. But I will put my fear, where? In their hearts, that they shall not depart from me. That true godly fear, a reverence for the one true God and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, you know where it comes from? It comes from a knowledge and understanding given by God the Holy Spirit of the forgiveness of sins. King David said, Lord, if you should mark my name, you write my, my sins down in your book, who can stand? Psalm 130. But there is forgiveness for thee that thou mayest be what? Feared. That none fear the Lord like those who, who understand and see forgiveness through Christ Jesus our Lord. I also know this guy was regenerated because by the Holy Spirit. Because what, you know, how, how does he address Christ? Lord, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. Paul said this in Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, truly say that he's the Lord, and hold him as his Lord, but one way, by the Holy Spirit. I tell you, if you've been born again, you understand fully the radical change that's occurred in your life regarding sin, righteousness, and judgment to come in all things spiritual. And I tell you, it's earth-shaking. It, it changes everything. It changes relationships. It changes association. It changes our attitude toward the Scripture. Changes our attitude toward the true and living God, and it particularly changes our attitude toward what Christ accomplished on the behalf of His people. You know, we got a lot of scriptural examples. The Samaritan woman, that's one. When, that, when she was regenerated and converted after speaking with the Lord of glory, what did she do? She left her water pot. She went out there to get water in the heat of the day, left it behind. That woman caught in the act of adultery. The Gadarene demoniac. Remember when they came back, they found him clothed and in his right mind and sitting at the feet of Jesus. Huh? Before he couldn't be chained. 
Now he's sitting at Christ's feet, listening and learning. The Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus. People say, well, that's just a Pauline experience. We all have a Pauline experience. And we do. It's a radical change. It changes everything about us. And I think of it this way. Those unbelieving Jews spoke of it when Paul and Silas preached the gospel at Thessalonica. They said, when they found him not, they drew Jason and certain brethren into the rulers of the city, crying, these that have turned the world upside down are come hither as well. That's what God does for each of his children. He turns their world upside down, flips it over. One more thing. This thief on the cross, you know what he recognized? He, rec- he saw in this person a king and a kingdom. Now you think about that. Here's a man dying on a cross with nails in his hands, in his feet, a sword thrust into his side, all the skin beat off his back, a crown of thorns crushed on his head with a sign over his head, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. What kind of kingdom is that? Huh? See, this guy saw another kingdom. He saw a kingdom of righteousness is what he saw. And he saw this one as the Lord of glory and the master of that kingdom. King of kings and Lord of lords. But finally, let's consider how this miracle was accomplished. Jesus saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. You know, we know from our Lord's teaching that no sinner, you know what, they can, will, or do come to him for salvation God's way except they're drawn by him. That's the only way they're going to come. We also know from the writing of the apostles that in order for one to be born of God, what do they got to do? They got to hear the word. How shall they call on him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear, hear except one preach? And how they, shall they preach except one be sent. James put it this way, of his own will begot he us, how? By the word of truth. Peter said this, seeing you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart, fervently being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed. What are we born of? By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Paul told those at Rome, but God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then, what? When you believe this form of doctrine that was delivered unto you, then being free from sin, what did you become? You became the servants of righteousness. Think about who hung between these two things. Who was there? Think of the words that our Lord Jesus Christ spoke, who's the eternal living word of God that lives and abides forever as he hung there between those two things. You know, Christ's first saying when they brought him to the cross, you know what it concerned? His first saying on the cross, forgiveness. Listen to you. And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, 
There they crucified him. And the malefactors, one on the right hand and one on the left hand. Now there's, there's the scene. They've crucified our Lord. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Folks, that was not indiscriminately for the world. He wasn't asking him to forgive them, but to forgive who? Those he represented. Father, forgive them. It was my sins that nailed him there. All the sins of all the elect, of all the ages. In the case of one thief, that, that word, it fell on deaf ears. Ears that were dead in trespasses and sins. But on the other one, the one the Lord had been pleased to give eyes to see, ears to hear, heart, mind, and will to comprehend, what did he hear? He heard the words of eternal life. He, he heard that forgiveness of sins. I, I, somebody told me this week, I think it was Laura on the phone Friday, that one of her favorite verses, she said you quote it all the time, and I, you can't wear it out. It's Acts 13, 38, 39. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that by this man is preached unto you, what? The forgiveness of sin. And what did our Lord preach there? <laughs> Father, forgive them, for they know not. Preach the forgiveness of sin. By him all that believe, all the believing, are justified, hearing this forgiveness of sin, are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. What we see happening here is we see the necessity of the Lord Jesus Christ being raised up, his crucifixion. You know, he said to Nicodemus, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That, that phrase, if I be lifted up, and the phrase be lifted up, they're the same Greek word, and it means to raise to the very summit of opulence and prosperity. To the world, you know, it looked like the end of what they considered a blasphemous and heretical ideology. But to that thief, and to all God's elect in every generation, those who've been given eyes to see, ears to hear, heart, mind, and will to understand and perceive Christ's person and his work, this was the very fulfillment in time of the promise God made before time. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath given unto us this very word of reconciliation. The world... This man died just as he lived. He died a thief. He died. Matter of fact, you know, when they came out to break the legs, to speed it up so they could get all the bodies down before the Passover, they didn't break our Lord's leg. They broke these two guys' legs. He, didn't get, he, didn't, he, he was a justified saint, but he didn't escape the penalty. And he didn't. But the thing I find so amazing about it is that thief, our Lord said to him what? This day, you'll be with me in paradise. 
And I'm going to tell you what, you're not going into paradise unless you're perfect and holy and righteous. And so this thief that died on that cross with broken legs, what was he? He was a godly man. Made godly in our Lord Jesus Christ. And he was guaranteed eternal life because you know who he was one with? That one that hung beside of him. Even our Lord Jesus Christ. John said this, Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his spirit. And because he's given us his spirit, listen to it, we've seen and we do testify that the Father sent the Son, the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him. And he's in God. And we know and believe the love that God hath to us, God's love, and him that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, made mature, made complete, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. How can we have boldness? Sinners by birth, by nature, by practice, and even by choice. How can we have boldness in the day of judgment? Here it is, as he is. So are we in this world. Isn't that an amazing thing? A sinner in myself made righteous and holy in Christ. What a miracle of grace. This wonderful story, you know, it gives me hope and it gives me comfort in this world that I live in, particularly as it concerns those people I love that are yet in unbelief. Because I tell you what, as long as they're above the ground, as long as they have breath going in and out of their, their lungs, if they're one of God's elect, you know what? His sheep hear his voice, and they come unto him. And he gives unto them eternal life. May the Lord bless his word to our comfort and our encouragement. And may he use his word to call out his sheep, those other sheep he has, which are not of this fold, them also. We pray that he'd be pleased to bring them to himself through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's stand together, and you'll be dismissed. I appreciate your presence. I bless you and keep you till we see you next Lord's Day. Kenny, if you would, dismiss us, please, sir.